gentlemen, Victor Brooks of the Victor Brooks Show. You know what time it is. It's Saturday, every Saturday and Sunday at one o'clock or three o'clock, depending on who we're booking uh, and their time frame. You dig? That's the beauty of this whole new media thing that we're doing now that I'm really learning every day, but, but we're coming at you. You know, every, every Saturday and Sunday, the Victor Brooks Show Facebook Live Quarantine Series. And uh, you know what? It's just been incredible, the response that I've been getting. Um, and I, I have to, every episode, I, I love giving it up because it's not just me. I work with three of the most incredible producers that, that have joined this journey with me. My brother, Christopher Brooks, my sister, Julie McKnight, and our baby girl, niece, Wendy Vaughn. They, they, they're, they're, they're helping this take it to another level that, that you all, the people, my positivity posse, are saying, you know, you, you, you understand that all we're trying to do is spread some love especially during times like now. You know, I mean, we don't have the major platform like so many people do, but we're doing it in our way. We're doing it in our way to make it make sense for all of the people in the world right now who are not only going through their own personal things in life, but this whole corona thing, this whole quarantine thing is, is something that, you know, we use phrases like pulling together. We use phrases like we all gonna be okay, you know? But I believe that. And that's just something that I said, you know what, let's give it a shot. Let me talk to some of my friends who are in the entertainment and artist industries and, and some people that I may have never known who, who also just share the same understanding and joy that we just wanna bring something, a reminder every episode that through the arts and through what we do as artists, that you know what, we just here to spread some love and, and, and give some positivity to the world. Always like to give it up to my first responders, our doctors, our, our nurses, our ambulance drivers, um, even our people that are that are working the grocery stores, those days when we do get out and we gotta go get something to eat and stock the house up, you're there helping us. Uh, our sanitation workers, our truck drivers, our teachers, you know, who are still teaching our babies online and our babies online who are still giving it there every day. Their parents that are learning a new thing to do. You did? It's new for all of us. But one thing's for sure, y'all, it's always something to smile about. So every Friday, every Saturday and Sunday, come get some of this positivity on. You know what I say, take a shower in it, take a bath in it. And you know, when you come out the pool, and you got that water on your fingers, sprinkle it off on somebody else, you dig? Because they need it too, just like you. Today, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I always, I'm so excited about all the episodes that we do. I really am. And uh, I'm just so grateful to every person that takes their time to come on and talk to me and we talk to you, you dig? Um, today, when I use the phrase, a brother from another mother, I'm going all the way back to the mid 80s, Los Angeles, mid 80s music scene, um, where I was introduced to this brother through our mutual brother, Nate Watts. And um, that's when I was introduced to him personally. But I reminded Grady or told Grady that even before I even moved to LA in 85, when I was living in Memphis, Tennessee, and I don't even know if Grady's on camera yet, but I'm gonna say it right now before he is, even if he isn't. <clears throat> but my brother Christopher and my sister Julie, we were big, like so many of millions of us, big BET fans, especially when it first came out. 
And we remember that one of the first, very first artists that came to BET, interviewed by Donnie Simpson, had his groundbreaking album, was our guest today, Mr. Grady Harrell. And when Grady came on that television show and that video of Belinda came out, which we're going to hear the history of that, when that hit on, instant we said you know because we grew up in this business with mentors like little richard and others who let us understand what real artistry was so by the time that came on with grady harrell and his hit belinda we were hook line and sinker and the respect that myself and my brothers and my whole family had from that point on from the time that we first met that in the 80s it just blew grew from there ladies and gentlemen i want to welcome who we call one of the true sons of soul, one of the true gentlemen that's keeping soul music and soul artistry alive, Mr. Grady Harrell. Grady, thank you so much, man, for joining us, brother. <laughs> Look at him, y'all. <laughs> man, it's so good. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, man, especially to talk to you, man. I, I just, I love your show. I've been watching it and I'm so proud of you. And, Thank you for having me on here, man. I love you and your family. Big shout out to Julie and Chris um, and yourself. And I, I just wanted to tell you personally, I saw that that wonderful duet you did. Were you in Italy and you did a duet? It was so beautiful, Vic. Oh, thanks, man. Look Vic, at my little go. You sang that song, man. I'm like, oh, and it's your charm on stage. Because I watch everything. You know, we grew up watching everything. That's right. And I said, okay, I'm going to check Vic out, see what he, <laughs> and you was like pulling the rabbit out your hat up because just, <laughs> and then that voice was so silky like butter. I'm like, okay, you was, you did that. Yep. Brother, it means so yeah, much. Man. Thank you, man. Thank you yeah. so much, Grady. And yeah. you know what? I, I want to, you know, in, in, in our episodes, Grady, you know, our, our whole uh, 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 voice, man, is positivity. Our, our followers and, and fans and people are yeah. calling positivity posse, you know? Yeah. And uh, what in this time, brother, is your positivity right now with so much that's going on, man? Well, honestly, I'm a, I'm a big Bible reader. And okay. uh, I, I've been reading the Bible. You know, my mother raised us uh, as Jehovah's Witnesses. So uh, I was 12 years old, started singing at seven. But at 12 years old, you know, this, this lady knocked on our door and started studying the Bible with my mother. And um, of course, she eventually started studying with all us five kids. And so um, I just love reading the Bible and reading about all the men and women that came before us. It just gives me a lot of faith, even to deal with what we're dealing with right now. It's so crazy these times because I know you can agree with me. There's never been a time we were kids, Brooke, when a whole country shut down, a whole world. Come on, that's right. That's, that's right. That's crazy to me. And so that's what I do to, I'll be, I'm in this room by myself and uh, my mother's on the other side of the house and my little brother's on the other side of the house. But that's, that's what I do. I like to study and meditate on this. I love it. You know what? Because like you brought up, brother, family is so important, man. The family, yeah. our, our, whatever our spiritual belief is, man, you know, much respect to what brings us through. You dig? Right. And yeah. uh, thank you for sharing that, man, because what I remember, what your fans also remember, Brady, and love and respect about you as an artist, brother, is your, your power of positivity and excitement 
that comes in your performance, man. And you can tell that it's some people, you know, and, 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 and bless them, but some people have to really learn a certain craft. Grady, you were born with this, okay? And many of us who respect what you are and who you are as an artist, take us back, Grady, to eight or nine years old of Grady Harrell, LA original, growing up, with this music and this soul in your system, brother? What, 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 what well, was it was seven years old, Vic. I, I, I'll never forget it. And I have a lot to thank this one man for. And I heard this song at my grandmother's house. All my uncles were musicians. My mother was a singer. But when I heard, I don't like you, but I love you. See that moon? I heard that and I'm like, oh my God, who is this? It's, it sounds like an angel. And ever since I was seven, I tried to emulate everything Smokey Robinson did. Wow. Everything. It was him that inspired me to sing. So I know his whole catalog. From seven to 12 years old, I was nothing but a smoky groupie. And I knew all his catalog. At that point, I could sing in my natural all of his stuff. And I would do it all around the neighborhood for anybody who would listen. And I was just like him. People would trip because I sounded just like Smokey. And until the Jackson 5 came on when I was 12. Yes. I yes. still love Smokey, but I'm like, oh, my God. Kids are doing what I want to do because wow. I've been doing it since I was 12. And then those Jackson boys came on and just set the world on fire. I still follow Smokey, but I think I followed the Jacksons more because they were my, my age. Yes. But I... To this day, I love Smokey, and I had one chance to tell him. Oh, good. When I signed to RCA Records. Good. It was a party right. at some place. He came through the door, and I just whispered in his ear. You know, Sticks and Stones was climbing the charts, and I said, "Man, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be singing." And you know, Smokey was so so humble, and thank you, man. Thank you. You know, <laughs> you sound just like him even talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know how to do smoke. You know, it's like, you know, he's, he's just, I love it, man. I love smoke. He's oh, the one. man, Brady, that man, you know what? Growing up musical, because if, if, if I'm correct, now, what was your relationship or family relationship with the Friends of Distinction? Please tell me that. I mean, you know, grazing in the grass, we all know. Tell us what that was. Well, I have to say that my mother didn't sing on any of the hits, but okay. when when they would start rehearsing, when they were getting getting going, they were rehearsing in my living room and Harry, Harry and, um, and the other, they're, they're past at this time, but, mm -hmm. and it was another girl and then it was my mother. And this is back in the day when Jim Brown used to manage them. And oh. so, yeah, Jim Brown used to manage them. Did you know didn't that? Know, didn't know that yes. brother. Yeah, but my mother got pregnant with my little brother, Donnie, Donnie Harrell, shout out to Donnie. He's right got on. Fox Soul, you know, Fox Soul, he's on that oh, show. Right on brother. My brother. And, um, and so when she got pregnant with Donnie, she left the group and then they hired the ones and they blew up after that. Blew up but after that. used to rehearse in my living room, Vic, it's that's crazy. Thing, that's the thing, and how old were you then, brother? I must've been about six years old because I wasn't singing yet. Must've been right. five or six, yeah. But you were getting, you were getting fed, you dig? Yeah, because my mom, that's all she does. And even, you know, I wrote a book about my life story that I'm publishing. And my mom told me, she said, even when you were in the belly, I would listen to jazz and all this stuff. And then to, to start growing up, and my mother, she 
was she sang on one of Little Willie John's. She she knew Little Willie John really good, you know. And, okay. and sang on background on one of his records. The funniest thing that <laughs> a forward, his son Keith John sang on my album. You know, Keith wow. sang on my Romance Me album. And there so, you go. So Look I at that. Wonderful stories about Lil Willie John, who was one of the baddest singers come out of Detroit. Yes, he yeah, was, man. brother. You know, and, and so from there, with growing up in your living room, that because I mean, it's undeniable the the the, the what the, the the soul inclusion of the sound of Friends of Distinction, and that your mother was uh, one of the premier and originals of that sound. Yeah. Um, growing up with that, Grady. And then being a Los Angeles native and original yourself, brother, um, did it? When did it hit you? Because I believe you formed your own group app, not like little years, a couple of years, or once you got older, right? Tell me was, about the whole Papa's Papa's results. Well, even before Papa's, man. Um, okay, okay. It was three guys, uh, two guys who I just recruited on my street, uh, Sydney and and Glenn. That was their names. We called ourselves the Young Gents. Young and Gents. And so, yeah, we would do we would do the clubhouse on on um, on Pico and Norton is where I lived at the time. Wow. Okay. And so, I was such a strong personality as a kid, I would just pull them together, teach them harmony. I mean, my mother she would be listening in the living room, and she said, "Grady, you got to stop being so hard on them kids." And so, <laughs> even as a kid, it's like. My mother, my mother would be in her bedroom. Now she tell me this when I'm grown, right? right. Like, I was just hoping that none of them would beat you up because you were so hard on them. And so that was at 12 and 13 years old. Okay. And then my mother would always hear us rehearsing. And my sister Raquel, who's Raquel Harrell, who's incredible. Yeah. Um, you can see her on YouTube, Rocky oh. Harrell. I mean, um, I lost the whole thing. That, well, I want to talk yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah but at, 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 at 13 years old, 14, my mother came to me and she's, and it was three guys. And um, at this time it was me, Brian Cox, and another high school friend. And, um, and my mother said, why don't you put Raquel in the group? And I'm like, mama, I don't want no girls in the group. It's just, it's just guys. If we, I was so stupid. If we get a girl in the group, then the girls ain't gonna scream for us no more. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how stupid I was, right, man? So then my mother's like, my mother's like, Raquel should be in the group. So I put Raquel in the group. And it was kind of like a Gladys Knight in the Pit setup. But Raquel and I would trade off on lead vocals. And, um, and then my Uncle Don, may he rest in peace, he was our bass player and he got our first band together. My Uncle Don came up with that name, Papa's Results. And he named us Papa's Results. And thus, that's how Papa's Results was born. And, my, and we rehearsed, I mean, so much. It was, we were so, we were so, our steps and everything and yeah. Um, yeah. incredible. So, and then my Uncle Don put the band together and uh, we did talent shows and, and we did so many things. We needed our, our Uncle Don to be our escort at clubs like Mavericks and the apartment and the total experience and, and we started grooving. Come on, man. I don't want to, man, I love to hear the names of the, of the clubs and the spots. They're so historic, um, yeah. primarily to the L.A. music scene. But on a whole scale, these clubs that you're mentioning are so historic to the whole soul music experience. And, and these are places where you literally got your feet wet, brother. This is where you, your seeds were sown. You did yeah. 
it was cold water was pouring on you, you know? <laughs> and, and I tell you, Vic, at that time, it was so competitive. It, it had the baddest groups. I mean, Brothers Johnson, uh, you had Howard Hewitt flew into town. You had Shaka, you had the Platypus, you had Beverly Hills, you had um, Lakeside came into town from Ohio. And it was so many bad groups at that time. And we would all go see each other, steal each other's steps and stuff. Yeah, I got and you. it was crazy. It was like, who's yeah. playing at this? It was always some, I mean, I, so, I surely missed that because that's how we got our feet wet, as you say, because every weekend there was a bad group with a bad band yeah. playing at either the Total Experience, the Tiki Room, the apartment, the Mavericks Flat always had the baddest entertainers. Like, you right. couldn't go in Mavericks without being bad because Karen and John Daniels was not going to let you get through. You had to audition first. Yeah. And when we auditioned, I think I was 16 and Raquel might have been 17. Okay. And um, we got in Mavericks, man, and it was, it was off the chain after that. We just yeah. started moving and grooving. It was crazy. Yeah. Come on, yeah. man. And you know what? With, and and, and uh, with, your, with Papa's results, you had like um, major management reputation for a minute with that band, didn't you? Well, with Papa's results, we had a, a guy. He wasn't related to us, but we had a guy named Leroy Harrell, and he was mm -hmm. good to us, man. He, he showered a lot of money into us. We were together six years, and we recorded a few songs. You know, um, you can find them on YouTube. Uh, yeah. We recorded a few songs, you know, Sister Sheila, The Love Healer, and right. Okay. And, um, and we did a little, you know, we never got signed to a major deal while all of our, 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 our um, what do you call it, the guys who were with other bands, contemporary, yeah. all gotcha. contemporary were getting signed one after the other. Okay. And, I guess it just wasn't, it wasn't in, it wasn't for us at the time. And I got you, man. I got never you. Never got signed to a major label like right. Lake Side right. did and yeah. Daka did and, yeah. and uh, eventually Shalimar did. Mm -hmm. So after six years, my sister got a call from uh, my, my best friend, Daryl Ross. Okay. His, his sister, Sharon Ross, was singing with Diana Ross at the time. And wow. so Daryl and I were like this. We what? met each other at Dorsey when I was 14 or 15. He was, well, he's younger than me. And uh, she called Raquel. And we were trying for six years, man. And, and so Raquel's like, Juby, shit, that's my nickname, Juby. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, Juby, I got a chance. What should I do? I said, Raquel, you'd be a fool not to take it. And she took that chance. And she was with Diana, man, for like 12 to 13 years. Fantastic, man. And during this time, brother, um, I know like myself and so many artists, man, you, at that young age, you were privy to one of the ones who was privy to being able to sit right there at the stage watching these performers growing up like Diana Ross. And I know you were right there with Marvin Gaye watching this thing and, and a lot of the Motown and greats, brother. Yeah. Coming up in that school, Grady, well, give me your feeling of that, brother. Well, I was always in awe, just like you. We were, we're, we were in awe of Motown. I, I, I told my friend Robert Gordy the other day that um, I always wanted to be a Motown act, right? And, um, and so one night when they had the Motown 25, right, bro, uh, Vic? Yeah. You're going to laugh at me for this story. <laughs> they had the Motown 25, right? And so yeah. <laughs> me, and my friend, me and my friend Herbie, we always made it a, 
a point to sneak in every event, sharp as a tack, um, whether it's the BET Awards, the Grammys, the Oscars, the, uh, at this point, the Soul Train Awards, which were, I mean, the, I mean, the, um, the uh, Motown 25. Gotcha. Um, we got in, right? And we yeah. always work our way backstage. And okay. we just hobnobbing with all the grace. And I'm like, in heaven. So I put a, I, I, um, at the end of the Motown 25, they told all the audience to leave, right, Vic? And, um, and they, they told all the artists who were backstage to come out on the stage. And they took a real big picture. And I tell you, man, the spirit moved me. Yeah. And I went out on stage with all those people. And I just, somebody just sent me a picture. <laughs> of Vic. This picture right here. Okay. Look, yes. I'm right behind. There's Randy Jackson and there's <laughs> Jermaine, and that's yeah. my face. You see it? <laughs> so, the big, the funniest thing, I sent that to Robert. I said, my whole dream was always wanting to be signed to, to Motown, like all kids my age. And then I sent him this picture, it's the big picture, but I zoomed in on my face and I said, for a brief moment, I was a Motown artist. Amen. <laughs> hey, my friend Herbie was backstage, right? He said, fool, you ain't going out on stage. I said, Herbie, I have to. The spirit is pulling me. And I went out on stage, man, and it was none the wiser. And then um, a Life magazine came out with this big old picture, right? That it's this big picture of everybody. And the, the whole picture kind of looks looked like this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's everybody on the stage, right? Right. And so with the, with the picture, it had everybody's face blacked out with their with a with an ABC or whatever, and on the side, you would see their names. Well, on my picture, they had they had mine blotted out, and on the side, they had a question mark. <laughs> like, who is this fool, right? <laughs> Herbie was backstage cracking up, man. He said, "I can't believe." And it's so funny. I've been looking for that picture for so long, Vic, and I finally somebody sent it to me last week. Yeah. Brother, that is a great so, story. So with Motown and with and with uh people like the Jackson Five and 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 just being at a Dinah Ross concert was the most beautiful thing in the world because I went to stay with my sister, which back in 1980, it was she had that's when artists used to do 30 days at a time. That was a residency oh. for 30 days. So I went for the whole 30 days, lived in my sister's bungalow with her, and went to every concert. And every show at the Caesars Palace at that time, it was chock full of stars. Look at and the most magnificent night, and Diana Walsh would go out, reach out and touch somebody's, and, and put the, the mic in people's hand. Well, yeah. this one night, man, she put it in Marvin's hand. I'll never forget it. And you know how yes. his voice is buttery like yours. Anyway, <laughs> but it's like... He was so, and I'm sitting on the side of the stage all this time. So I'd be backstage, like falling in love with Miss Ross. I was yeah. in love with her. And, right. and she's just so, I ain't got to tell you how incredible she is on stage. Yeah. And I would be, every night I'm at the show, I never got tired of seeing whoever came to the show. So it's just to be around and, and, and in the future, who exactly. would have thought, we'll, we'll get to that, but who would have yeah. thought that Jermaine Jackson would hire me. Come on now. Play, in their mini-series about their life story. That's right, brother. I mean, you know what? It's, it's like, I look at it, man, like, 
while us humans are down here making plans about life and I got goals and people love to do five-year plans. Okay, that's cool, you know, keep some patience. But, but check it out, I have always believed, my parents always told us, it's, they, my mom used to say, I believe God just looking down at us saying, my poor babies, look at them. They down there right. making all these plans. <laughs> and that's so real. That's real talk, Dick. Yeah, man. Yeah. But it was uh, after my sister left, I had to go on my own and I just went solo and um, That's start, I start playing with different bands and, um, and just honing my craft. You know how we yeah. do it. Yes. And, yeah. and then finally I came to the attention of uh, this African lady who right. was uh, crazy. Now, I want to ask you this, brother. You, you, you've been so gracious to, uh, to take us through your, your whole life journey up to this point, man. And it's educating us and those, of, um, and those watching that, uh, Grady, you know, you, you were born into this groove of a groom, you dig? That yeah. it's taking you now to, we're at the part of your, of your solo career and where you are about to record the album Moana, correct? Mo Okay, now brother, now, now, now I think, I, yes I did, in the intro I told you that's the, that's the, the, the Grady living in Memphis before we even moved here, yeah. personally, that's the Grady myself, my brother and sister, I'm going to say fell in love with, got the right. instant respect with, said, you know, my mama used to come in and try to do <laughs> the dance moves you used to do, that, right? So, <laughs> and my father, he was like, you know, I'm a weird PK, my father was even like, going good, look at him. Right. <laughs> So, so we were, right. it was a family affair watching our little Betamax recordings and my brother Chris would get there trying to do the moves and you know, so I'm gonna mess with you, Chris. I know you watching too. You know I'm telling the truth. So we get on there, but now when this album came out, brother, all the history that you've given us up to this point, did it like, you, you're in your mind where you're like, I'm ready for this now. I'm ready for this. Well, Vic, I thought I was ready at seven years old. I've yeah. always been ready. Um, I was so ready at seven, um, maybe eight years old, me and a friend of mine, an elementary school kid, tried to walk to Motown, which was in Hollywood, and we got lost. We got lost, and we had to go back home. But we were just gonna, it, it was a duo, me and this kid named, I forgot his name even. Uh -huh. We walked, man, and my mother never lets me get out of her sight, but I snuck away that time because I wanted to walk to Motown. I heard it was in Hollywood. And we lived way on La Brea and Adams at that time, or no, at Pico and, and uh, Norton. So yes. trying to walk, so I thought I was ready then. I was gonna audition for whoever opened up the door, I was ready. Go so ahead. I've always been ready, and it was just never nobody that gave me the platform. Ah. You know, I mean, we had a platform as Papa's results, I shouldn't say that. I got but you. we never hit the big time. Which I'm glad at, at this point that I never did because I'd probably be washed up, an alcoholic, a dope addict somewhere. Um, even though I promised my mother I'd never do drugs and I never did because unfortunately my father was a heroin addict and he died at the early age of 49. So I knew I never was going to do drugs. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just always thought I was ready, man. And, you know, Leroy Harrell, he paid for us to do those singles that we did as Papa's results. But we never did get that break like everybody else did or never have a bona fide pop record, you know? Um, so then I met Madame, you know, um, Patience Dabonet. She's a, she's a wonderful African artist herself. Okay. And, and she started managing me. And um, now that was it. 
that was it. Yeah. Okay, okay. But now Please. let me this now, Grady, in, in that in that particular video, it showed that Grady was a triple threat. That that is used through this industry a lot, meaning singer, dancer, okay, actor. Now, yeah. brother, are you your own <laughs> choreographer? Who did this? It's just a natural. I mean, with that video at that time, um, what was your what was your hope, your feeling, and your 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 pride in that first solo project, brother? Well, man, I was a uh, I was trying to I was just trying to come after Michael, like everybody was. Gotcha. So I said to myself, I had a whole lot of money thanks to this African lady. I had millions, right? Yeah. So I can do whatever I wanted to do. Right so on. I said, what should I do? I went to jazz classes, jazz, modern dance. And I, I was living in my own big old mansion. So I had all the perks of, of a star that a star would have. Right the Rolls Royces, all that stuff. The Rolls Royce on the Belinda video was mine. Thanks that to was yours. Yeah, we used my, to watch that too. and like, dang. Yeah, my manager, she, she gave me everything. And so um, it was like living in a storybook, literally. And so uh, that's a whole nother story. But, <laughs> so I went and I fell in love with my teachers. They were incredible. Um, I, would, I went there right on Melrose because I was living right below Hollywood, the Hollywood Hills. And, and so after I did, I didn't, you know, when I did that album, when Madame, she um, wrote most of those songs for my album, I never, I just thought she was just doing this to placate me, right? Okay. But okay. she really wanted me to go all the way. So she's okay. like, let's do a video. I'm like, word, okay. So I got all my friends together. <laughs> and the teacher, I had been taking jazz for about a year. And okay. um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a dancer anyway. So right. you know how we grew up dancing, you know. Yeah. We, so yeah. I, um, I, 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 told, I asked my teachers, um, can you, can you uh, choreograph my song, Belinda? Because uh, Madame, she picked that as the first single. And so, okay. um, of course, uh, she said, yes, of course. She choreographed it. And we used to rehearse at the dance studio. And uh, I was just so inspired by Michael, like everybody else. Right, right. And I just wanted to learn the tap dancing, the modern, the jazz, and I did. And I, I learned all that stuff. So you, you can tell in Belinda I was doing some jazz and some Ooh, stuff. That's right. And uh, right. that's, that's right. what motivated me. Michael motivated everybody. Everybody. And, yep. And you know what, brother? A lot of people don't understand you know, all the way back, all of our predecessors, even in any genre of music, man, there have been names that, or, or, or labels that's been given, oh, they're biting this. No, come on, let me tell y'all something. In this business, historically, God rest uh, the, the soul of, 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 of my uncle, not by blood, but by relation. We just lost little Richard. And one yeah. thing that he always educated myself and Chris Giuliani, he was like, listen, <laughs> I got something from Rosetta Thought. I got something from, from Elmore James. He said, and, and so many others, Prince and Michael got something from me. He said, so and all we, he, and his thing was, we all just helping each other out to do what we need to do to bring our own style to it, you know? Yeah, I, I think they ought to rename it, not the entertainment industry. Uh, I think they ought to rename it the biters. Because <laughs> everybody bites off everybody I'll Break that down. <laughs> Break that down, the brother. Fighters. Amen. Because, man, I'm telling you, to this day, vocally, I'm still biting off of Smokey and Marvin and Michael and 
Jackie Wilson and Sam Cooke. And it goes on and on. If you're a smart singer, you know how to put yourself in there, but you use what you listen to, the Donnies and the Jennifer Holidays and the, and the emotions. I mean, you, all that stuff. My sister, I would be listening to things and she would be listening to the emotions. I mean, we did Ooh. Papa's Results. We did their, their song. Who didn't do Best of My Love? Come we on, did man. that and had some dynamite steps, you know. We first heard that. Me and my sister Raquel, we heard that on Orange Drive. And we like, oh, my God, like everybody. That <laughs> fantastic hit. Uh, yeah. We were like, I mean, the emotions were like the incredible thing to us. And my sister would listen to their very first album. Um, uh, before that one, it was, uh, yeah. hold the key to I think that was, uh, Right, right. Whatever right. that first that, that whole album was so incredible. <laughs> that was and Flowers' album. Yeah. Flowers, Flowers. And so, man, we we've been biting. I started biting. That's how I started. <laughs> Smokey. Who didn't? Who didn't? That's what my Richard yeah. said. That's right. That's right. That's right. Anybody right. said that they're not biting, they're lying, and I don't want to talk to them. There you go, so, right? Uh, <laughs> and but the, right. the the genius of it, man. Um, and because I believe that even with the biting brother, it makes a whole thing of, and at least, and, and I have to go back to, to what Uncle Rich used to say. He said, bottom line, it's okay to, to, to pull something from here, pull something from there. Yeah. But he said, you've got to learn how to put you in it. He said, if you ain't in it, then all you're doing is, you know, uh, is imitating somebody. He said, right. but you got to put you in it. And that's what we respect. I told you the family used to watch Belinda video. And yeah. that's what taught us. We said, now, wait a minute. Look at this. His brother's triple fretting. He danced. Look at this patio scene. And he's doing his thing. Got my mom up dancing and my dad clapping for my mom. Right. You know, it's like if we sitting around. But the whole thing we respected was that there was still that gradiness, if I can use that term, yeah. that was woven in all of your performances, all of your vocalizations, <laughs> all of your stylings, brother. Now, yeah. that's Tell me this now. What was your relationship with uh, with Solar Records during that time? Because we talked about Maverick Flats, we talked about all of the iconic clubs and groups throughout Los Angeles. During these are your comrades. These are your, yeah. you know, all of you all are part of that original LA soul scene and sound. Yeah. You know? right. um, what was that LA family like, brother? Coming up. Well, there? you know, Jody Wadley and Jeffrey Daniel they went to Dorsey as well. Um, even though Jeffrey grew up in, in Michigan, when he came to LA, we, um, we went to, we were like, like this. And Jeffrey was, he was trying to teach me how to pop, but I really wasn't in there now because me and Jeffrey were on the stage crew together. Okay. He taught me how to play that song. El yes. Yeah. Yeah. He puts love out there. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And so Jody... Jody was two years behind me in high school or a year behind me. So we already knew each other. Right. And then the dance on Soul Train, I danced on Soul Train as well. Not as much as Jeffrey and Jody did because yeah. I was out just trying to get it with gotcha. my band. But right. when I didn't have enough to do, I would go to my Soul Train family and do my thing. So when Madame took the, all our finished product, we finished. She put her, all her money in it. And she told me she was going to take it to Dick Griffey. But before then, I knew Dick Griffey because in 1979, when my sister had went off to go with uh, Diana, I get a call from Jeffrey Daniel. 
and okay. Jeffrey will attest to this. He called me on the phone. It was a Thursday. I was, I was laying in my bed, just really, really not feeling good because I was, my career wasn't going anywhere. And so Jeffrey said, Grady, Gerald left the group. Uh, Gerald was the lead singer who sang on Take That to the Bank. A long time we've been together, been through the... He left for whatever reason. And uh, Jeffrey called me. We're in New York and we need a lead singer. And me and Jody want you to do it. He said, but the final analysis goes to Dick Griffey. So he's like, Dick's going to call you, get in the car, go to meet him over at a, a Capitol Records we met in the parking lot. And so 79, I'm like, I'm there. And uh, I sat in Dick's big old BMW at the time. And uh, we, we ride around town. He's questioning me about what, what voice do I sing? I said, well, my voice is pretty high, you know, you know uh, as a man. So I sang alto and I sang, you know, uh, whatever and so tenor and whatever and he we wind talking and uh and i said something to him <laughs> and this one i knew been i said man you you the next uh you the next barry gordy huh you know just my kid yeah, and, he yeah. said, and he said no i'm the next dick griffin and i'm like okay <laughs> so right on, so, right on. so he's like i said okay so um he said okay what i want you to do young man is tomorrow leon silvers is gonna call you and uh, Leon called me, I met him at Capitol. Yes. And so he had a big BMW too. They must have had a sale on him at the time. <laughs> so Leon, he wanted to hear me sing. And uh, it, it's this song, I'll never forget it. It was called, Right Dead in the Socket. And he's like, sing a little bit of this. I was nervous. I don't know why I was so nervous. And so uh, Jeffrey told me, if you're not here by, this was Thursday when I talked to him. He said, if you're not here by Monday, that means somebody else got the gig. He didn't even tell me that Jermaine Stewart was, was in the running or Howard Hewitt. I just thought it was always me. I never knew that these other cats were yep. involved. And so I'm like, how can I not get it? I'm, I'm Grady Harrell, right? <laughs> but I never received a call and we oh, know who got it. I got you. Know? you. And I listened to all those old records. Yeah. And I said, they picked the right dude. Because okay. back then, I was in such a Michael Jackson mode. Okay. Everything I did try to emulate Michael was too much. But okay. I listened to Howard, and I said, man, they picked the right cat. Oh, man, Howard Hewitt, incredible. Yeah. That right. dude. That's my dude, man. So we, when I finally, <laughs> fast forward to 1982. Yes. 83, when my manager <clears throat> took our finished product, Moana, to Dick Griffey, and they worked something out. I don't know what they worked out, but she, um, you know, they they distributed it through MCA at the yeah. time, and um, and we did the video. And with the video, I think you know it didn't make no noise. I think Lowell Silas, which I got mad at him one night. He never forgave me. Silas, okay. On Belinda, I yeah. didn't hear it until I walk in a club at Carlos and Charlie's. Remember Carlos and Charlie's? <laughs> That's right. And Belinda's playing. I was so childish. And I went up to him. I said, I said, dude, who gave you the authority to remix my tune? That's why I say you got to always be nice to people. I, <laughs> I, low silence. And I went to junior high school with low silence. I went to right. Mount Vernon with him. And okay. Vinny. Okay. And so I tell you, man, sometimes our people, we just don't. I, after I lost my deal, we'll get to that with RCA yeah. Records. I, I called Lowell. I called Benny, 
think they called me back? No. Nope. And uh, but Dick was already familiar with me when yes. Madame took me, took him Moana, and he's like, "Yeah, I love Grady's talent. Put it out." And right. of course, I think Belinda may have went to sixty-nine on the R&B charts. Come on, man. Come on, brother. Much respect, man. Yeah. And the LA, fact, LA wasn't ready for that kind of like African I was just vibe. about to ask you that, man. That right there, because number one, the 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 Afrocentricness funk, I'ma put yeah. the Afrocentric yeah. funk of that mixed with that gradiness, man. In my yeah. opinion, and I've talked to so many other people, that it was a groundbreaking sound during yeah. that time. Yeah. And and I tell you, man. When I first start, when I heard Fred Fred Wesley tracking um, at, at at the studio, yes. when I started hearing that, I'm like, we got something here because yes. even though my voice is like Michael's, the, the Africanness of it all is yes. like totally to the left, and I love that. And so, yes. Madame, and she she's like Petit Papa. She always called me Little Daddy. That's French, Little oh, Petit Papa. Okay. Just okay. listen to me. Listen to me. I'm African. And she saw it. I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't kill me. <laughs> but she brought those songs to me. She was right. Yeah. And the thing is, she would write those songs, the lyrics in French, right, Vic? So I would have to interpret them. I get an interpreter to interpret them. And it's so different with the melody, I would have to. Re basically rewrite the melody because of the way she wrote it in French. Gotcha. And, uh, so all those, those songs that she wrote for me and with Fred Wesley at the helm with all Come those. Come on, man. And we know Wesley, I mean, just the fact that Fred Wesley, trombone, JB's, James yeah. Brown, you know, I mean, now we're continuing with that involvement of Grady's, um, your, your, your talent, your, your association of that original soul community. That's yeah. been with you for forever, forever. Yeah. And it's just, a, you know, like I say, even to this present day, uh, for those of us who have, have you know, the, the, the thousands, hundreds of thousands of all the world that have seen your show in Vegas, that, that all the way to what we're talking about now, this is proof evidence. I mean, we have J Fred Wesley, the JVs, producing yeah. the song. Was He was the producer, right? Producer, yep. Oh, man, you yep. know. Because and, and, it is big. The backstory about all that is, of course, Fred used to play with James. Right. Well, Madame's husband at the time was the president of Gabon. Gabon was over in Africa. He was the president for 42 years. Okay. His wife was my manager. Okay. He, they would send for James Brown to go over there and do his thing. Well, Fred, Mes Fred Wesley met them before me. So when I met her, she's like, I got the best producer. He had already been producing her albums. Look at her too. She's yeah. still sitting today at like 70, 78, 79 years old. If, you know, patience dominating, still doing her thing. And um, so, yeah, man, Fred was already doing it. That's why when she told him, I, I have this talent that I want you to produce, he was like, oh boy, here we go again. It's going to be a no singer, right? And he okay. told me this. That's said, Fred. Yeah, Fred said, I said, what? He said, I just knew it was going to be some guy to come in and thought he can sing. And then when we heard you for the first time, he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do something with him. There it is. There it yep. is. And, you know, and the story continues, brother, because now we can, if, if we can fast forward to the RCA days, all right? Yeah. When, you, uh -huh. when you sign, and I remember RCA, and because if I'm correct now, you, Stevie Wonder was a part of your RCA story at that time, yeah. right? 
Yes. Please tell us that, the recording of working with this brother, and, you know. Oh, man, this, it, when I, everybody, when they read my book, they're like, your life was a dream. You ought to write a book. All my friends been telling me that, so I wrote one. So my, my, my best friend in high school was Andre Cleveland, and James Cleveland adopted him, you know, the gospel. Yes, yes. He adopted Andre. Well, Andre and I were like this when we were like 16, 15 years old. Me, him, Daryl Ross, Herbert Dry, um, Andrew Goucher, who's the bass player extraordinaire for everybody. We all went to Dorsey. So Andre, Nate Watts, our beloved brother, yes. he called me, him and his cat named James Allen, who played percussions for Stevie. Wow. They wow. called me and they yes. said, hey, Grady, man, we want you to come up and will you do some demos for us? We'll pay you for these demos. And so they, we were doing demos every night for about a month up, up at Tina Marie's house in Pasadena when she had that big old house. Right on. And that's where I first met Tina through, it's funny about our community. Yes. It's like we met each other through each other. That's and right, brother. That's right. So I did these demos, man, for Nate and James. And, uh, and so I let Andre hear him. And Andre said, dude, I can get you a deal. Andre has always been the hustler of our friends. He took, the, he took it to Eric Nuri. You know who Eric Nuri is married to now? No. Um, she wrote uh, Man in the Mirror for Michael. Um, um, Saida? Saida. He's married right. to Saida. Oh, okay. At that time, <laughs> he's, managing to her, he's managing her and married to her. At that time, he was head of A&R at RCA Records, Eric. Okay, okay. Shout out to Eric Nuri. That's my dude. He signed me. So Andre took my demos to him and predicated on, this is where Stevie comes in. Andre is like this to this day with Stevie Wonder. And um, so Andre took it to Eric and he said, I got Stevie Wonder to produce two tunes on this, guy, this guy's album too. So Eric said, man, we gonna sign him. He signed <laughs> us, a hell of a deal, gave us some money. You know, back then you used to get some big money for signing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> he signed us. Andre started his production company, which was called Tinseltown Productions. So he signed me, he signed Tyler Collins, he signed Domino Theory, and he signed to his production company, our late singer, Pretty Terry. Remember Terry Stanton? Terry, man, yes. So my album was the first one to come out. And okay. when I first met Stevie, we, we got the great deal with RCA in 1988. And uh, of course, Stevie Wonder was the last one to turn in his song. You know, you gotta just wait on him. <laughs> man, I used to... Man, I'm I, I gonna tell you what I used to argue with Stevie about all the time. I mean, it, it's like, Andre's like, dude, this is Stevie, great. You can't talk to him like that, right? So, uh -huh. one, so I called, I called at the studio, and I, I guess I was kind of like, I said, Stevie, man, it's Grady, and I just wanna apologize for how I talked to you last night. So I left it on his machine. So the next day I went to the studio, and so uh, he said, hey, everybody, come in the studio, man. I want y'all to hear something, right? And so, uh, so I'm like, we all came in there. I had no idea. So Nate and all of us were in there and he pressed the tape and it was me sipping. I was like, Stevie, I'm so sorry. And, and Stevie said, listen at this B, B-I-D, you know. Let's have so he said, uh, he said, no, nah, man. He said, I forgive you. And he came over, he felt my head. He's like, pow, don't ever talk to me like that again. He went straight on crazy. Slapped me in my head. And he said, don't ever talk to me like that again, right? Yeah. I'm like, so I was the butt of everybody's jokes for years. Exactly. But anyway, yeah. that album 
uh, the very first album, which was Come Play With Me. You can hear all the tracks on YouTube. And we did a duet. I really wanted my sister to do it with me. But for political reasons, Tyler Collins did it. And Stevie Wonder wrote that tune, You and I. And it's on YouTube. And he wrote another beautiful tune called If Ever. And he had me singing it. I'd sing you a song without a word. You would hear my tune. And he wrote that song. And I would be next to him, just me and him, in New York, in the studio, because he never got to the studio till one. He would tell us to get there at nine or 10. But then we'd have to wait till one. And so everybody would eventually leave. So it's just me and Stevie in the studio. And those days, I think we worked on that for like two or three weeks in New York. Right on. And it was incredible, just working right. with the man. And the most beautiful thing is that when everybody left, it would just be me and him sitting there. And he's like, uh, what's your favorite song that, that I used to? And so I would name some obscure songs. And he would just sit and play everything I love. So it was wow. like, wow. it took his glasses off. And it was yeah. just Stevie and yeah. me. And uh, I would just pick the songs. And he would, oh, I got to see if I remember that. So we had intimate time together. It was yeah. like bonding of brothers. That's and right. see, Stevie, he believes a lot in signs and stuff, you know, yeah. like Taurus or whatever. Right. Which I don't, but Stevie yeah. does. He said, when's your birthday? I said, May 12th. It's like, man, your birthday is the day before mine. Look and at that. And so he thought <laughs> we had a lot in common. And yeah. so um, we just got to be brothers, man. And it was so incredible working with this man. But Daryl Ross, who produced Sticks and Stones, my high school pal, he mm-hmm. produced that and he produced uh, Come Play With Me. And right. then you had you know, uh, the piano player, uh, Bobby Lyle, his two sons. Right. Tom, Tom, Thomas Lyle produced two tunes. Then okay. Nate, Nate Watts and James Allen produced two tunes. Then Stevie yeah. produced two tunes. So the right. Come Play With Me album was just chalked full of wonderful songs, man. And RCA just didn't put, Brother, you know, they didn't want, they didn't want Sticks and Stones to be the first single. They wanted to fun to be the first single. Okay. And me and Andre, we pushed for Sticks and Stones because I was trying to do my best Sam Cooke impression. And we even had the Soulsters. Anybody love Sam Cooke? No, he sang yes. with the Soulsters. Yes. Yes. We had them singing on the record at that wow. time. And, um, Man. Yeah, Bob Buziak, who was the president of RCA, he said, you know what? I'm going to listen to you guys. I'm going to let this song be the first single. And uh, unless it goes to the t- to top 10 of the R&B charts, I'm not going to cross it over. That was Bob Buziak's promise. It went to number four pop, I mean, RCA, I'm sorry, R&B, and they didn't cross it over. Oh, RCA, but you know, then RCA had that thing on it, man. I don't know what it was during that time, you know, but but I wanna, and, and you know, the stories you went into, that intimate brotherhood of you and Stevie Wonder, man, um, the involvement of his, his artistry in, with your artistry at that time, I believe, Right after that, uh, is that the time when now your association with Patti LaBelle, like soon after that, or was there some time in between there? That was, I didn't get with Patti until 2004, because ah. we had a friend as well, Mr. Okay. Sammy McKinney, he's a songwriter. But I just wanted to go back to RCA briefly. The running yes. joke at that time is that if you want to get rid of the spread of AIDS, have RCA distributed. I remember, I remember that as soon as you said that. I yeah, remember that. 
Because they even good. they tried with the next album was even better was called Romance Me, that's on YouTube as well, and they dropped the ball. And then Andre went in at that time. Skip Miller, who used to be at Motown, yeah. he came over because Nuri, Eric Nuri left. He wanted to do other things, and uh, and Skip Miller came in. Yeah. So yeah. Skip Miller, yeah. I guess, got tired of us of Andre cussing him out. And he gotcha. said, look, man, so long. Take your whole production company in. Goodbye. So, gotcha. You know what, man? And, and once again, we can sit back like my mom used to say and say, God's like looking down and say, look at my babies. They, they're making plans, but hey, I got something else. Because you know what, man? And you know, and when we were talking about biting or, or, or giving, you know, uh, pulling things and making it your own. Yeah. One thing, and my mother and father made me, said, make sure you tell him that his Sam Cooke takes us back to when, you know, we're going back yeah. when Sam Cooke was, you know, in my opinion, <laughs> the premier and first soul man to really yeah. take that, you know? Right. Your Sam Cooke, let me tell you something, your Sam Cooke, and I know you do him and Jackie Wilson in, yeah. in that incredible Vegas play, show that you do, man, you and the other entertainers. But yeah. my favorite that you do with Sam is, uh, is a born by the river changes. Oh me. yeah, oh, you know? man, I love that one. I love all Sam stuff, but I really love this stuff with the soul stirs. I mean, that's why do you I... think that was? What do you think that the ingredient of what Sam cooked in the soul stirs? Why has that lasted so long to this day? Sam's voice. That voice. I mean, anybody who's a Sam Cook fan know what I'm talking about, Vic. It's like. Sam Cook, I mean, when you hear him say, I know the Lord will make a way for me. And I know that my God will from trouble someday set me free. That's why I'll never, I mean, come on, man. I know, come on now, that's called a cliffhanger, y'all. That's not a cliffhanger. <laughs> it's like Sam. When I first, my ex-wife's mother gave, and trust me, I did not, this is going to sound crazy to you, I did not get into Sam Cooke until I was 25 years old, maybe 26. Okay. And the only reason I got into him because Valerie's mother, Cleone, gave me an album with uh, a lot of his hits on it. And uh, his beautiful face was on there. I'm like, wow, that guy looked like he can be my father, right? Exactly. And so, right, so right. then I didn't even know that all the Soul Stir stuff existed even then. I just started buying up the pop records. And then when I, when I bought a, a certain album, it's called The Man and His Music, it had four gospel tunes on it. I'm like, what the heck is this? Right. So when I met the Soul Stirs in New York, I sang, um, I sing, uh, whoa, Lord, whoa, uh, and they, right when I did it, we were in the, in, the, in the band headed to the studio. So I said, Andre said, Grady, just start singing a Soul Stir song and see if they come in. So I said, whoa, Lord, and they, whoa, Lord, and they start singing. It was such a magical moment. So they said, and they said, do you know any other of our, of our stuff? And I'm like, there's more? So then after that, I started digging and learned all the stuff. I'm like, oh my. So Sam Cooke and the Soulsters, all his stuff with them, he was with them for six years. So yes. it's hundreds of tunes yes. that 
That's right. That's it's right. crazy. And so, oh. <laughs> Sam Cook is, is, is incredible, man. And I just can't wait to see him in the resurrection. I want to talk to him. Come on, yeah. brother. You know what? What Now, how did Brady end up in Vegas, brother, through this incredible career journey? Yeah. Vegas, how did Vegas drop? Well, well, in 1990, when I lost my deal with RCA Records, you know, I got all these talented sons, right? That's right. Um, uh, and so my the manager, brother, B-R-U-T-H-A, and then Aiken Papa. And um, so my manager at the time was named Tony. And Tony, uh, got Tony's name, he's Suzanne DePass's cousin. To Tony. Anyway, he was managing me, he was managing Jennifer Holliday. He knew that there was a Jackson 5 movie being done. And so um, he told me, man, you got all these talented kids. We'll open the back door up for you because I want them to audition. Okay. So I was taking these kids on callback after callback. And um, even though none of my kids got the on-screen appearance of none of the Jacksons, mm -hmm. my son, Anthony, if you read the credits, that's Anthony Harrell singing all the Michael Jackson joints. Look at and that. Record, I'm sitting right next to him in the studio telling yeah. you about life going around, I had to tell him how to do the innuendos to be Michael at six years old when he's saying climb every mountain. Right. And that's Anthony. Now, Jason Weaver, he did re-record all of his stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but that was Anthony singing from age of seven until Jason got on. Then got Jason it. Weaver sang all those songs. But okay. in, sometimes when I listen to Jason sing, I'm like, that sounds like that riff I gave Anthony. I don't know if they was going in and out. You know how <laughs> <they're not> <laughs> Anyway, so. Then Tony, Tony said, we want to see Grady for possibly playing Jackie at this age. We want to see Cheyenne for playing, you know, Cheyenne, a.k.a. Papa, playing uh, Michael at a young age. And the casting director wants to see you. And I'm like, want to see me? I didn't even audition. And so she said, well, Jermaine Jackson said that you look a lot like Jackie Wilson. And Michael Jackson loved Jackie Wilson. Well, I was familiar with Jack, but... Only thing I saw was on BET, those commercials with him yeah. saying, Yo, love, lifting me up. I used to see that. And I'm like, okay, well, and, and the casting director said, you look like him. Do you know any of his tunes? I lied and said, yes. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> so the next day when I took the kids to the audition, gotcha. um, I saw Jermaine. He was always there because him and his wife at the time, Margaret, produced the miniseries. Gotcha. And so, Jermaine said, okay, are you going to be ready tomorrow to sing us a song? I said, yeah. He said, I'm telling you, man, you got a good chance at this because you look like the cat. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we used to watch the cat get down on the side of the stage, you know. Yeah. I said, no, don't worry. And I was scared to death. I didn't want to tell him, man. So the next day I went home. The next, I, I came back and right. Jermaine um, was there, his mother, Catherine, his wife, Margaret, and the lady who directed, I forget who it was. And so I turned my collar up like Elvis and, uh, and I started singing. I didn't sing in that voice I just sang. Okay. I sang Brady Harrell's voice. Yo, love, lifting yeah. me higher. I didn't, I found that voice a year or two later. Yo, love. You see that little thing I put on it right there? I found it because I used to, I used to always make fun of my brothers and sisters when I was a kid. Come on over here and then flick that floor like mama told you. And, Ah, I got didn't you. use that. If you listen to my clip on the miniseries, I sang in my Grady Hogrell voice. I hated it when I, every time I hear it, when I'm saying, Yo, love, lifting me high. I didn't do it in my voice, in, okay. in, in Jackie's voice. 
I found that years later, because after it aired, people start calling me all around the country. Like you said, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. Who'd have thought that I would be making a living right now doing it, thus the conk? My son's always like, Dad, when are you going to cut that conk off, dude? It's 2020. And I said, sons, as soon as this conk stop making me that paper, then I'll cut it off. Come so, on now. They, uh, Jackie Wilson, of course, my shows in, in uh, Canada have been canceled because of COVID-19, yeah. but um, I'm, I'm still going this in a year. So I started doing a play called Stop the Noise, Bring Back the Music. And I was doing a tribute to Jackie Wilson. And Dennis Edwards was in the play, Ollie Woodson. And it was crazy. Yeah. And my boy, Nate Evans. So okay. Nate Evans, fast forward to 2005. Nate called me. This is after I toured with Patti LaBelle for about a year. And um, it was crazy. I love Patti. And uh, we were all overseas. And yeah. so, man, Nate called me, Grady, there's a gig in, in Vegas. Would you like to come? Naturally, I thought it was going to be doing Jackie Wilson. But it was for the Legends in Concert show doing a tribute to the Temptations. Uh, and that's okay. what I did. And so I did that for three years, and I thought I was, I thought we were going to only do it for four months. And they loved us so much that we stayed there, and then we traveled to Myrtle Beach, we traveled to Atlantic City, we traveled to Branson, Missouri, because Legends got properties all over those places. Yes. So right. Then right. I came back home to Vegas. I never yeah. went back to L.A. because the, the cost of living, you can get a five-bedroom house for like right. $1,200 a month. And so I right. stayed here. Right. And then... I was doing all kinds of things around town. And then my friend Pete Peterkin called me. First, me and my boy, the guy who did James Brown, Debonair, yeah. he called and said, hey, man, let's me and you do a tribute to the greats. We call ourselves Double J. Okay. I'll do James Brown, you do Jackie Wilson, and we'll battle. I said, yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah. So we tried to shop that at the different casinos. But of course, two little black boys trying to shop this. Vegas, so this welcome to Vegas. Yeah, I got you in a lot. I love Vegas. I love Vegas. But, yeah. you know. Hey, it is yes. what it is. I can do it. Yeah, man. It. Behind the scenes, it's a lot of prejudice going on. I'm sorry yeah. about that, but I got to yes. be truthful. Yes. Then Pete Peterkin, who did the, the Ray Charles, called me and said, Grady, I got this, this uh, guy who wants to put a lot of money in the show. His name was Mark Paskins. Shout out to Mark. We love you, Mark. And Mark put all that money in. We started in Reno. I was doing Jackie and Sam. And then my girl, Nanette, Barbet, Nanette Barbera, okay. she was our choreographer. Okay. Shout out to Nanette. And so we all met down in Reno. We opened up there because Vegas did not want us, did not want Mark to put on a show with just them visualizing it. They said, well, go get your feet wet in Reno. And we did for eight weeks. And we came down to Vegas and we did it on the, on the strip. And then Mark show, sold, after about a month run, Mark Paskins sold his share of our show to Ken and Helene, uh, Ken and Helene uh, Walker. Shout out to Ken and Helene, the best producers in the business. Right. And uh, they put us on all black cast on the strip. Come on, years. It was yeah. crazy. And you and know they what? Made us good. And, you know? and you know what? I have seen the show. Remember my oh, son right. Charles McCoy, Charles, we came through. You took care of us, man. And and uh, that show, brother, is it, it's it, it's incredible. And and it's incredible because of the the the, the artists that you have involved on yeah. that show. And yes, I'm biased because the love and respect I got for my brother Grady Gray. You, you. did your greatiness. 
Ladies and gentlemen, as you can see, there is no way that I can condense a one hour piece <laughs> with this incredible history and, and legacy of, uh, of our brother Grady Harrell and, and his journey of artistry. Grady, brother, once again, I'm gonna thank you again for coming here with me, man. And you, you know, you jumped on the vocal, you gave us a vocal cliffhanger. I ain't gonna put you on the spot. I know how that feels of doing something, but well, I'd love for you to come back when we can schedule with you. I know you're crazy busy even through this time. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not busy with it. You know, whenever you want me, look, Come you on, got me. Whenever you want me to do it, you let me know, because I, I got you, man. You my, I like the way that you're building this and whatever I can do to add to this, man, it's an honor, Vic. So, man, I'll always have be here for you, man. You know man, that. Thank you, Grady. And yeah. you know it's vice versa, man. Yeah. Me, Chris, and Julie. And yeah, I got sitting here there that it's full i got about four of our brazilian people here man as you know julie been coming with me on my thing there and brother it would be an honor for you and your around your busy schedule after all this is over to please come over with us and let's spread that greatiness over in south america with, i love to man i would love to let's right. let's make it happen let's make it happen yeah. positivity posse y'all heard it again today the brother came and brought some smiles, brought some laughter, brought some wisdom, brought some some honesty that you know you're going to get every time the Victor Brooks Show Facebook Live is on. My respect and my love for our brother Grady Harrell has only been enhanced by his talk today. And I know from you, the millions and thousands who is who who's had the opportunity to hear this brother over his his career uh, are agreeing and understand the same thing. Real music is still here. Real artistry is still here. Real performing is still here. Don't let anybody tell you it's not. Don't let anybody tell you it's not. Just because the, the machine, as we say, doesn't put it out there, it doesn't mean that it ain't still here. And it's still here for us to love and still here for us to respect. Y'all, and this is one right here, Brother Grady Harrell, that's keeping it alive. I love your Facebook positivity posse. Come back every Saturday and Sunday. You know what we do right here, one o'clock and three o'clock. Tomorrow we have Haywood Galbraith, the premier African-American photojournalist in our lifetime. We'll be here sharing his stories of the the OJ trial and his illustrious career of what he's been doing and developing. Uh, we have a whole next week uh, on Facebook Live quarantine series. We're going to be coming up with our, uh, I'm going to call it my Brazil day. We have uh, Brother Zay Ricardo. We have Movie Conzino that's going to join us. We have it for you, y'all. And um, like we always say, come get some of this positivity on you. Take a shower in it, take a bath in it, go scuba diving in it. Do whatever you need to do to get up under it and come up out of it and flick it on somebody else because we all just trying to keep it going, y'all. Follow us on YouTube, subscribe, The Victor Brooks Show. Click that subscription, y'all, so we can keep this positivity going around the world. I thank you, I love you. Peace and love to the next time on The Victor Brooks Show. We'll see you then.